Welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. You're not going to believe this. Oh my God. Five stars. Five and a half stars. My dad is my hero. Grandpa, are you ready? I love a good happy ending. Oh boy. Hey, hey, hey. It's a phony baloney. And a tit for tatter. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. Arsiac exemplifies that it's not just about me. It's about the next generation. Is it instinctual to want to have a baby? Today, we talk about miscarriages, surrogacy, IVF, tears, and hope. Arsiac, welcome. Hi. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to catch up with you. I know. I haven't seen you in ages, but I feel like I've seen you because I mean, through social media, isn't that crazy? Yeah. I was just like looking back through my emails and I was like, when was broad shoulders? It was like already a couple of years ago, like two years ago. How crazy is that? Yeah. And I totally feel like I know you through social media too. Isn't that the strangest? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm like a social media stalker of yours from the first time I met you and you were speaking at the broad shoulders event. I was like, I love her style. I love her brand. I want to know her. And so I'm glad that we can reconnect now. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Like as much as being able to tell my story and just share my experience and what I've been through and whatever it might be, like, just ask away. I'm an open book. Like I, whatever it is, however it goes, like, let's flow. I'm like down for whatever. (laughs) That's so generous of you. I love those kind of guests. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I haven't covered IVF at all on my show. You're going to be the first one to talk about it, but I know that it is a hot topic and a lot of people go through it. So I would love to talk about what are the misconceptions around it? Like, what did you not know going in? There was a lot that I didn't know about IVF, right? You think that you go in, you get assistance through a medical professional, an IVF doctor, and you're going to be pregnant and everything is going to be great, right? Because they're going to pull the best quality embryos and your husband's sperm, and they're going to put it together and they're going to implant it in you and you're going to be pregnant and it's going to be all great. Well, it doesn't work that way. And it's unfortunate because we just don't understand really until we're in it, right? Like we don't like meaning me as a woman, I really didn't understand. You could talk to other women. And at that point, when I started going through it, I didn't really have a lot of women I could talk to about it because most of our friends were getting pregnant and we didn't know how. I didn't know what to expect until one of my close friends finally opened up to me and told me this is how she got pregnant with her first child and what she went through. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know what? At first I was kind of upset, but then I was like to each their own and it's their, you know, it's their journey because I know as women, we blame each other right? We blame ourselves. I can't get pregnant. It's the natural way. Why can't I get pregnant? What's wrong with me? So IVF, there was the misconception of that. Oh, I'm going to go through my first round of IVF. I'm going to get the best embryo and I'm going to get all these eggs and all these eggs are going to be great. And then nothing. So I think that's like the biggest misconception. And Hey, there's some women that go through it And on the first round, they get the perfect embryo and they get it, they implant it on the first try and they get pregnant. 
So everybody's journey is different, but yet at the end of the day, we are just trying to accomplish the same thing, starting a family. That's at the end of the day, that's exactly what all of us that are sitting in that office that are going through all of this, whatever our journey looked like, however our medication process is, however our retrieval is, we're just trying to have a baby. Has anybody said anything to you that's been upsetting? Like, is, are there things that you should not say to someone that's going through this? Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was trying to get pregnant, I had multiple miscarriages, multiple miscarriages before I decided to go through IVF. And then through IVF, I had miscarriages and just looking at someone and, you know, I come from a Middle Eastern background, so there's no filter. I mean, thank goodness that our parents grew, we grew up just hearing everything and we just overlook things. But some of them were like, why aren't you pregnant? Or what's wrong with you? Or, you know, are you and your husband not doing okay? That's why you're not pregnant. And it was just a lot of things that were just not okay, but I overlooked it. I just think that now, since this has become such a thing with IVF, and surrogacy, more and more people I've witnessed over the years, just being a little bit more cautious. Like I don't ask people, why haven't you started a family already? Or I don't ask people what's going on with you. I don't ask people, you know, it's just, it's hard. And it's a sensitive subject because you don't know what that couple is going through and you don't know what's happening in their lives, you know, or you don't know if the woman just had a miscarriage and can't conceive or she's gone through IVF or she did it naturally. So there's just a lot of things that it's just like, just think about it before you say something. Think twice, I would say to somebody before you get into that whole family thing, because it's a very, to some, it's a sensitive topic. And then there's some people that just don't want kids and that's okay. And that's totally fine. But IVF is a very emotional and physical, hard, just, it's really hard on the body, the mind, like as we're speaking now, I'm going through my sixth round of IVF. So I started another round of IVF. This will be my last one because we'd like to grow our family. And I've already put it in my head. I can't control it. That's the one thing with IVF that women that I talk to a lot, I said, look, you did your best. There's nothing that you can do and you can't control the outcome. That's it. All you can control is the medications you take the vitamins, how you eat, your lifestyle, that's it. And everything else is just left up to God and science and how everything works itself out. So it is, it's very tiresome in every which way. I give it to you, especially because I myself have had a couple of miscarriages and oh my God, that is like the most emotional thing to go through. Yeah. I mean, hormonally, it is so hard. It is. It's really hard. And here's the thing with IVF. Here's a few things that I would say with IVF, go in with an open mind, go in with an open mind. If you've been having trouble conceiving, you and your partner have been trying for a year, they say six months, but I say, sometimes I give it a year. If you've been trying, you know, for a year and it hasn't worked, do seek out a professional, an IVF doctor, go in, talk to them, see what, you know, what your options are. Maybe they do an IUI where they just, you know, where they take your husband's sperm and then they just, you know, try to implant it that way, insert it that way in you. And rather than doing all of the shots, 
And then maybe it's, you know, how IVF, IVF comes down to it where, you know, you have to literally about six to eight weeks out of your life that's dedicated to going through IVF. It is a process. And then if it doesn't work the first time, don't beat yourself up. Just don't, don't beat yourself up and find a support group, find someone out there or a group of women that you could talk to and don't worry about the judgment because sometimes it's not all on the woman. That's the biggest misconception in IVF. I've heard this so much, even just talking to the women when we've been in the doctor's office and we're all waiting to get blood drawn or ultrasound or whatever it might be that we're there for, people tend to forget it takes two to make a baby. It takes two. It takes a follicle and a sperm. That's what creates the embryo. Sometimes that sperm doesn't work the way it should. And sometimes it's crooked and sometimes it's not swimming fast enough. And there's so many misconceptions. So it takes two. So both partners have to be committed. Both partners have to go in. Both partners have to be supportive of each other. And I've seen it because I've been through it too. When I was, you know, started going through this, my husband and I, it was the blame game. And I shouldn't say he blamed me. He never did, but he was not as supportive as I wanted him to be. Because for me, I was the one that was sticking myself with shots every morning and night. Them, they don't really have to do much of anything. They just literally just go to the doctor and give a sample of their sperm and it's all said and done. And IVF is, it's great that it's available for us, that we're able to use science to be able to start a family. And it is also the most challenging thing I think when starting a family, a woman can go through and a couple, it really is. Yeah. I heard you talking about the blame game and I feel like when couples struggle, it has to affect their relationship. It does. It really does. It really affects the relationship. Like one of the things that I will say, my husband and I, we started, you know, counseling and this had to go back to 2016. So we've been trying to start a family since then. But prior to that, I was like, we're both, you know, in our thirties, you know, we're both adults. We know we want to be together. If it happens, great. You know, we both knew that we were going to be together. We wanted to have children. I really didn't start thinking fully, fully, fully about it until we got married. And let's just be honest, age plays a huge factor in women's reproductive. Like after the age of 35, we use, we're born with over a million follicles. Follicles are our eggs. After that, everything just starts to drop. After 35, things just start to drop. So we are our most fertile, like in our twenties. But even then some women that I've heard, you know, that I've talked to in their twenties have had issues. So I think that a lot of it has to do with our environment, our food, things that we take in. But for me, going back to when I started, I was 38. So that played a huge factor in it. Now, when I went to my first round of IVF, my follicle count for my age was pretty, it was very, it was good. You know, it was good. My doctor, that was what my doctor had said. I don't know. I don't know what a 25 year old follicles look like. I don't know. But it took four rounds of IVF for me to get embryos. And in between that, I ended up miscarrying. So that's what led me to 
seek surrogacy. When our doctors had recommended, I don't both my gynae and my IVF doctor both, because I consulted with both of them, that we should look into surrogacy. That was another hurdle that I had to get through. Because I was like, wait a minute, I can't carry my own child. Like, what kind of mother am I going to be? Like, what kind of a person? I'm not going to be able to feel those things. I'm not going to be able to do that. But I had to get over that. And the more that I started researching on surrogacy was when I started to understand more about it and what that meant and what that looked like. Now, surrogacy, again, looks different for a lot of people. But I will say this, for those that are out there that are looking to start a family and feel like they've hit every wall and every door has shut on them, I think that don't give up because there is a way that you could definitely start your own family. And if it's something that, you know, you want to be able to go through that journey of feeling like, okay, I want to go through that pregnancy journey, but I can't go through it myself, but I could get a surrogate and I can go through it with her. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. It's a beautiful thing. And these women are so selfless. These surrogates are so selfless. I cannot believe just some of the women that I've met through that. So I was like, listen, ladies, if someone's out there, if another woman is not helping another woman in business or in any other way in life, you guys need to stop and take a look in the mirror because there's women out here that are literally giving other women babies, you know, that are giving them that family. So if that, if a woman could do that, we could do anything. You know, we could do anything. We could help each other in any avenue in the realm of anything. So it has definitely opened my eyes, but my surrogacy journey was not easy either. I heard you talking about that. Oh my God, that almost brought me to tears. Can you talk about what happened? Oh my God. Yeah. So at that point, when my doctor had suggested surrogacy, we started doing research. I started reaching out. There was only like one friend that I knew that did surrogacy. So I reached out to her, I talked to her and was able to understand more about it. So our doctor gave us a list of agencies. So I started calling them, you know, and just asking them questions, hearing about their process and each surrogacy agency is different in pricing. And so I didn't go with the most expensive one, but I didn't go with the cheapest one either. It was down to two agencies that I went with that had a reputation. So we meet with them and we were just, you know, I was like, okay, how long does it take? They're like, it takes at least six months to get matched. I was like, oh my gosh. So six months. And then, you know, how long does the paperwork take? Cause you, then you have to go through these contracts that are like 80 pages and you cover every single thing that you could, you probably never even thought about, right? From what she eats to, you know, she's on bed rest when her kids, because most of the surrogates do have kids. That is the requirement when you're going with a reputable company that they should, you know, at least that they should have one child of their own. Now, whether they're married or not, you know, that's to everybody's discretion. It's not really a big deal, but just as long as she has one child of her own, and she comes from a supportive family because it takes a lot too on her end. She needs the support. So we went with this agency. We finally get matched. I meet my surrogate. I think she's a wonderful human being for even considering and doing this. And we walk away and we're like, you know what? This is the person that's going to carry our child. Like I agree. So we started going through all of the process and then it was transfer day. 
And I was so excited. I couldn't wait. We transferred one of our embryos. And two weeks later, we found out she was pregnant. So I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, first try, this is amazing. This was in November of 2019. This is how long we've been on this journey. She has her transfer in November of 2019. Then we start telling our close family that we're pregnant and COVID hits. You know, all of the COVID stuff started coming up in January. So that restricted me from, because she didn't live here. She lived in a different state. So that restricted me from being able to go to at least her first doctor's appointment and so on and so forth. So I was like, okay, great. We have FaceTime. That has to work. She ends up getting sick. They tested her for COVID because at this point it was in March. So she missed her 20 week mark. So we kept, she was really sick. So, but she was like, I'm fine. I'm good. Whatever. I mean, what do you do? There's nothing you can do at this point. She's there. I'm here. She finally gets into the doctor at 23 weeks in like four days. Like she was just shy of like 24 weeks. So we're like, okay, I'm so excited. Like we get to just see the baby. We get to see the growth. We get to see all of this. And I was on FaceTime, thank God for FaceTime. And I'll never forget, I was sitting on the corner of the couch with my husband and I, and we're like so excited. We want to see the ultrasound. We want to hear the heartbeat and make sure everything's good and that. And the look on my surrogate's face when I answered the FaceTime call, and then I saw the doctor like standing right next to her, I literally just blanked out for a second. And I was like, you know what? She's like, and she's crying. And I'm like, and the first thing that went through my head is like, okay, maybe the baby has to be delivered. Maybe this, maybe that, but never in a million years, I would have heard her say there was no heartbeat. I couldn't, I didn't know what to do at that point, you know, and it still makes me very emotional hearing, you know, even talking about it, but I literally couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. I I didn't know what to do. I felt bad for her. She's crying. And I was like, let, I need to gather myself. I said to her, I said, let me gather myself. I'm going to call you right back. She had the doctor, my husband and I needed to process this. And I didn't know what I, I just, I was confused. Right. I was like, holy, holy smokes. Like how we've had, we had the embryo tested. We had everything like this was like the this embryo was genetically great. Like how, what is this? Was the baby sick? So long story short, she ends up having to deliver. We can't be there. It was just a horrible thing. Her husband was with her hospitals calling me. They're like, you know what? You have to fill out a death certificate, blah, blah, blah. This, that, the other. I was like, what? Like, I I don't get it. You know? And they're like, yes, six months. You know, I was like, just Three days before I was filling out the birth certificate and getting all the paperwork, you know, all the paperwork that we have to get ready and present to the court to prove that we are not adopting that this is our own, you know, DNA. Lo and behold, it was just terrible. COVID couldn't be with family. The funeral homes calling me, trying to figure out what we want to do, this, that, the other. There was so much going on in those 48 hours. I just was like, I just literally got mowed and I was like, okay, we have to take care of this. My husband was just, he was just a mess. I was a mess, but we got through it. Thank God, you know, she was, she was good after the delivery. Like she was healthy, no complications with her. We take the autopsy, they do the autopsy and it was an umbilical cord accident. It was just something that I would have never thought in a million years. So then I waited 
And I was like, should I go with this agency that I was with? I was just so disappointed with the way the agency handled everything that I was like, I'm not dealing with them anymore. Like I can't. So then I went to the agency that I'm with now and I had to, I waited like a couple of months and then I called them and I said, Hey, you know, this, this, this happened. We've spoken before we need a surrogate. How long is this going to take? What's the process? So on and so forth. They're like, RCAC eight to 12 weeks. I was like, that's it to match us. She's like, yeah, you'd be surprised with COVID. <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess this is a blessing. People are at home. They want to be pregnant. And you know, this is great. So we ended up being matched with a surrogate, as they said, 12 weeks, 12, like 10 and a half weeks to the dot. We were matched with this surrogate and she is amazing. We are going to be delivering literally in January, end of January. So we're like six weeks away. No, five weeks away. It's been such a blessing, you know, and this whole process, how we've gone through it with the surrogacy agency and the new surrogate and this new surrogate. So on top of it, she was so understanding when I'm like, I need multiple ultrasounds. Like I need ultrasounds all the way up until this baby is being delivered. She has been so understanding. And with the doctors that we're dealing with now, even her doctors, they're just so amazing. And they've just been so great. And the agency, I was like, look, I need someone that's going to go to the doctor at least. And I know I'm being excessive, but I need an ultrasound like every three or four weeks. And I don't care. I was like, I'll pay for it. I need an ultrasound. And that's what we've been doing. And now we're down to it. So she's every week ultrasound. I, you know, she goes to the doctor, she does her thing. And I think that's just me being overly cautious, but I would rather be overly cautious because I was scared from the last time. And, you know, I'm not going to lie until that baby is in my arms. I'm not going to feel at ease until that happens, but it's just been a long journey and I have been, and I tell people that have, you know, that are struggling with infertility and that have, you know, that feel like there's no end in sight. Don't give up, you know, just have hope. Hope is all you need and just keep going forward and surround yourself with people that are going to understand you, surround yourself with people that are going to support you and surround yourself with people that when at the point where you want to give up, just keep pushing you and help you helping you along the way, because that's, that's really important. And just know that if IVF isn't, you know, an option for you, or if surrogacy isn't an option for you, you know, there's adoption, there's so many different ways to start a family, there's so many different ways, just because you're not carrying that child doesn't mean you're not going to have that bond. I mean, I don't even know when I carry that baby, but I already feel that connection. I don't know yet. You're a mom, you know, you're a mom. You have what, four beautiful kids? You have four or three? I have four. And it's crazy too, because my last one came seven weeks early. He was three pounds. Yeah. And we got a good NICU adventure you know, my first three were full term and seven pounds and I missed one appointment. And I just, it's crazy because when you're a mom of four, you get like really busy. Yeah. And, and when the first three go normal and you don't have any complications, you just think everything is going to go the same. And I think it was like a week after I missed the appointment because my kid had a play. 
I was like, oh no, I think I missed an appointment. I was like, God, this baby doesn't move very much. I was like, the only time I feel this baby is like if I eat or if I lay down and sleep. And so the moment I had that notion, I went to the doctor the next day. And had I not gone to the doctor the next day, he would not have made it. It is so crazy. So I went to the doctor, the heart rate was going up and down. The placenta was starting to detach. The midwife was like, I had a kid home with strep who wasn't even allowed to go to the hospital. My husband hadn't even told his job that we were pregnant yet. So it was crazy. They're like, I got there. They started making me sign C-section paperwork. I was like, I don't want a C-section. I delivered three naturally the first time. I'm super healthy. But sometimes things are just completely out of your control. And they're like, we're going to monitor you overnight. And the whole night I could not sleep. The baby's heart rate was going up and down. The baby wasn't gaining weight. I had no choice. And I was really lucky. I was honestly lucky. It was terrifying though. I remember my son came in the room with me and he was like, what happens if the monitor goes down to zero? I was like, not good. Go run and get a nurse. Then the monitor literally went down to zero. It was so crazy. It was so crazy. I don't think I'll ever forget that moment. You know, my husband had to come pick up my kid and he had to watch the the older three and I was there by myself. I mean, it was so scary. Oh my God. It was crazy. I remember you saying something to me. I remember we talked a little bit about it, um, but you never like went into detail. Like when we were at the broad shoulders event, it's scary. Like I, I, I just, I say this and I've been saying it more and more. Like having a baby is such a miracle. It is oh my God, literally yeah. a miracle. Like what your body goes through as a woman. Like, I just don't get it. Like, it's just such a miracle. And it's like, It's not over until that baby is in your arms. Oh my God. And every pregnancy too is different. And every delivery is different. I mean, all of mine were different. It's so crazy. Like my first one was like three days long. I was crawling on the floor, doing the yoga ball, howling at the moon, you know, (laughs) trying to do everything natural. It was so insane. My second one, I did a birthing tub and she came out so easily, maybe because my first one was so crazy. And the third one, he was two weeks late. There was meconium in the stool and that started coming out. I threw up. The doctor started rushing the room. There's just so many things that can go wrong. The babies can swallow fluid. They can have merconium in the stool. You know, you can push once and it can come out or you can push for 12 hours and you don't dilate at all. I mean, yeah, it's just crazy what happens to your body. (laughs) I cannot, like some people have made comments. You asked earlier, what were some comments that you shouldn't, you know, make to people, like, especially in... Like if I could carry my own child, I would have done that. Trust me, much cheaper to do it that way. I mean, much, much cheaper. It's not an easy process, but not only that, your body's going through so much like, and you're still like worried. Like I've heard stories that you have said about with other women and it's a miracle. Like it is definitely a miracle and women go through so much giving birth. And then I have friends that have gotten pregnant easily. You know, they did their ovulation stick. They, they did their thing and they've gotten pregnant and their deliveries were great and easy in their pregnancies. And then I've had other friends that are like you, like stories like you, like I've had, you know, I've had two kids and my third one was this, this, and this. And it's like, it was crazy. I didn't understand. I had to have emergency C-section and it's just delivery is hard. Like I, now that I think about it, I'm like, you know what? 
I'm blessed that I have that option with the surrogate. I would have done it, but the more that I think about it and I've watched some videos and I've been in a room before with a woman delivering, actually my cousin, she threw me out. She's like, get out. I couldn't. I was like, what is that? And the Oh, I watched some YouTube videos of women home birthing. Do not do that prior to going in. That's all no. I'm saying. I was traumatized. I was like, oh my God, I'm in for that. You women, honestly, women are just freaking champions. I'm sorry. A woman is just a champion. She could give birth to another human being. Like it's outer worldly. It is. And like my husband, I'll give you an example. We have, so we're able to be in the room with our surrogate. She has to do C-section. So they're scheduling C-section. We're doing all of that. I'm like, Hey, we have the option. Do you want to cut the umbilical cord? Oh no, no, no. I don't want to see anything. Oh no, no, no. I'm just going to stand behind the camp. Like, Oh no, 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 no. I'm like, you're so, <laughs> really? I was like, screw it. I'll do it. Like I'll cut the umbilical cord. Like someone's got to do it, you know? So I'll do it. But he's like, Oh no, 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 no. I can't. You know, I'm like, you are such like, I can't, I don't even know what to think. Some, like if men had to go through half the stuff that we went through, if he had to go through, for instance, IVF, I don't even know. Let's just begin there. Like that's like easy. Like it's not easy, but compared to giving birth. Yes. It's like a walk in the park, but I just feel as if going through this journey, going back to what we were talking about and going through this journey and going through IVF and going through surrogacy, it has made me just the appreciation level of just other women. And even it's crazy because I've always appreciated women. My brand is about empowering and inspiring women. And I can't explain it. And maybe maybe once I hold that child in my arms, I'll be able to articulate it more. I'm just, I'm in awe. I'm even more in awe of women now than I ever was before. I'm just in awe. I think it's because now I've, you know, I've always appreciated the mother that was giving birth and pregnant women. I'm like, man, that's so wild, you know, but even more so now, I think because I'm about to be a mom and just some of the things that we go through and some of the things that we have to do and some of the sacrifices that we have to make. And I don't even know, I can't speak upon that yet because I'm not there, but I'm mentally preparing. And everyone's like, you're not, it's as much as you mentally prepare, you're not mentally prepared yet for motherhood because it's like a complete life change. But I'm excited for that next chapter in my life. And I will continue sharing. And I'm hoping that, you know, my next round of IVF is a successful one because the last one that I did five months ago was not. So I'm hoping this is, but then if it works, it works. And if it doesn't work, I gave it my best. And I'm, I've been blessed with one baby and that's what, you know, and that's what it's going to have to be. That's amazing. I am interested in seeing how the baby is going to play into your brand. I was just talking to one of my girlfriends earlier this week, I did a photo shoot with her. And this was a really special photo shoot to me because For me, this was my maternity photo shoot. We both talked about it. And I said, you know what? There's a lot of women in my situation, in my position. There's a lot. I'm not the only one. There's so many. Why rob ourselves from having that maternity shoot? Okay, we're not pregnant, but we're still having a child. We're still bringing another human being into this world and having to take care of it. So why not do something special for yourself? 
But not only that, the photographer, she's my childhood friend. So we were just two girls, 13 years old, cackling. And, you know, she came here from Syria and she was, yeah, she came here from Syria when she was 13. We met because our grandmothers became friends because they lived down the street. And when I would come in, because I grew up in Arkansas. So when I would come in for the summer, we met, I was her first friend and we stayed in touch she moved to San Diego. She just moved back a year ago. She was in San Diego for 17 years and became a maternity photographer. She did maternity shoots and babies. And it was a moment where it was so surreal. Like we were both looking at each other and we kind of got teary eyed because it was just such a special moment. Two women now grown 30 years later and are doing this. And she has seen my struggles and what I went through, because I would talk to her and just, you know, cry to her and be like, what if this doesn't happen? You know, what if it doesn't happen for me? What if? And she encouraged me along the way. So I will say this for any woman that's out there trying to start a family. I've said this before, just keep up the hope because it will happen. I absolutely love that she is the one that did the shoot. I mean, how perfect is that? That's like from above big time. Yeah. This whole process of everything, Rena, has been so, it's just been beautiful. You know, it's just been a whole, like, don't get me wrong. I've had moments where I've been like, you know, where my breath, you know, cause every time, you know, you're a mom, you've gone in for ultrasounds. You just want to hear that heartbeat. You want to know that heartbeat strong. As long as you hear that heartbeat, you know, that's good. There's a lot of moments getting on that Zoom call with my, or FaceTime with my surrogate when she's in the doctor's office until you hear that. You're like, okay, I could breathe. It's just this whole journey has been beautiful from starting with our surrogacy agency to starting with our to with our surrogate and how amazing she is and how we've connected even since day one. It was just a, something was different about this one. And don't get me wrong. My first surrogate was amazing. She was amazing, but there was just this deeper level of connection with this woman and just feeling that and being able to feel the baby even like, I don't know. I feel the baby. I feel her. I see her. I envision her, even though she's being stubborn, she won't let us see her face. I still haven't seen her face. And even though we're having ultrasounds every week, she's still, she's very, yeah, she's a very stubborn baby. I know. I'm like, oh gosh, I hope she's just shy and not stubborn. (laughs) Oh yeah. They start presenting personality in utero. (laughs) So, you know, I just think that having these options, these medical options and, and science, how it comes, it's, it's a blessing when people are like, oh, you know, you have to go through surrogacy or I've had comments of what, at least your body won't be messed up. No, I don't care about that. Like, I want a healthy baby. I don't care if it, where it comes from. I just want a healthy baby at the end of the day. I can't do it. And I've come to terms with that. I mean, there's so many women struggling silently. And I just want to tell whoever's seeing this, whoever hears this, you don't have to suffer silently. Like, you can reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to guide you, to give, I'm not an expert. Like I say, I mean, at this point I should be like six rounds later, (laughs) but I'm not an expert, but I've been through it. So I understand. And I've had other women reach out to me, like women will 
text me their embryo, you know, and tell me, hey, how do my embryos look? You know, are they good? Because I had them genetically tested, you know, and I'm like, what were yours? You know, and I get it because they want to compare because, yes, there's grades to embryos, believe it or not. It's a one to six scale. So three being and then you want four, fives and sixes. You can still get pregnant on a three embryo, three grade embryo. And then they have the AB, AA, AB, BB, like CC, like, yeah. The highest grade embryo is a six AA. I know that for a fact. It's wild how they grade it. And it's wild how genetic testing is and how you could test for everything. And if there's a specific disorder that you have, you could test for that and they can remove it. It's so crazy. I, for me, I'm just like, do my genetic testing, make sure I don't carry anything that's like that I could pass on to my child, you know, pass on to my child, my husband too. And then they just genetically test them and then you can pick and choose. So they'll call you and tell you what viable embryos that you have. Do you want to know if it's a male or female? Well, at this point, I want to know what sex the embryo is. Obviously, I mean, I've gone this far. I want to know what am I creating, female or male? But to me, like everyone's like, oh, what are you trying for? You know, a male embryo. I'm like, I don't care if it's a monkey embryo, as long as it's a healthy one. I don't care. Boy, girl, 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 girl boys, boys. I don't really care. I just want, you know, if it happens, just a healthy embryo. Okay. So you did mention that you were from the Middle East and I feel like I could imagine one of my own relatives asking me this. Do you think that there's anything ethically wrong with any of it? No. I don't, I don't think there's anything ethically wrong with you just wanting to have a healthy baby. I mean, I've heard people wanting to change eye colors that I'm like, no, I just want to know this is a healthy baby. There's no diseases. There's no genetic stuff that the baby's gonna, I, I don't want to know. No, you know, I want to wipe out everything because you go through so much to get to this point. You go through so much and I've heard, and I've seen, you know, p- women, not genetically test because it's expensive. And now thank God insurance is covering that. Like we live in Illinois, which is pro family, which is amazing because they, the insurance covers so much of it. I believe you should, if you're going to get to that point, do it. You know, why like implant the embryo, let's say, and God forbid something is genetically wrong or the baby doesn't have, like you should definitely take every single precaution to know that you can have a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby. I believe that like, if you, if you could afford genetic testing, just do it, especially if you've had miscarriages, because usually miscarriages are associated with chromosomes. So you want to make sure that you're not just only putting your body through this because it's a lot. It's very emotional. It's an, you know, it's an emotional, it's like, it's a letdown. It's, I can't, you know, I've had miscarriages at six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks, 11 weeks. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. It's so taxing on the woman, both mentally, emotionally, and not to mention physically what you go through. Luckily with IVF, you have those options. You can, you know, once you get your embryos, once you go through, so what they do is with IVF is you go in, once you get your period on day two, three or four, you go in, they do your, what they call your baseline. Once that happens, they then give you, you know, they start the nurses and the doctors start to talk about what your, what your plan is going to be like. When do you do your shots? What do they have to give you? 
you know, especially if you're over 35, there's certain medications that they give you versus if you're younger doing this. And then you start taking, uh, they start priming you is what they call it. I mean, it sounds like a turkey baster, doesn't it? It sounds like a turkey, like you're seasoning a damn. That's the only way think of it. Listen, after as many times as I've gone through this, you have to have humor in this. You just do. Like if you don't have humor in it, like it will definitely bring you down. Trust me. I've been through a lot of rounds and talked to a lot of women. They're like, you just, you have, there's times that you just have to laugh about things. So they prime you, you take like a, an estrogen pill to make sure you don't get your period again. And then once you start to get your period again, then they know once you start your bleed, then you start taking your shots and your shots can go from 10 days to two weeks. I've been on shots for two weeks before, and I've been on shots as little as seven days. It just all depends. So your IVF cycle is going to pretty much look different each time, because let's say the first time it doesn't work, they want to try something else and kind of manipulate the meds to just kind of see what's going to work with your body. The follicles you start with are the follicles that can grow. And those are the ones that they will try to retrieve when you have your retrieval. So once all of that work, once all that happens and you're being monitored. So now on top of you being sensitive, you're going every other day for blood monitoring. They're poking you, taking your blood, making sure your levels are all good, making sure the medication's working. So this is a process. Like I tell women that come to me and they're like, I want to start IVF. I'm like, just be mentally prepared. This is what you're going to go through. It is a process, but I promise you it'll be worth it in the end. Then you have your retrieval and then they tell you how many eggs they've taken out that day. They fertilize them. And then by day six or seven, you should know how many embryos that you have and drastically, the number drops drastically. So let's say they retrieve 18 and then they'll only be able to fertilize, let's say 15 at the time. And then by the time day two comes, only seven make it. I mean, the numbers just drop and the older you are, the less likely your numbers continue to drop even from like 50% to 60% to 70%. So it's a process. So I tell women, I'm like, it's like watching paint dry, literally waiting for your embryos to make sure what is viable. And then once that happens, whatever it takes, they send it off to genetic testing and then you start your transfer. Then you start your meds for your transfer. So then it's like all over again and pray that it works. I'm just thinking like how well you must know your body now. Oh, I know when I'm (laughs) ovulating. I know when I'm cramping. I know when about to get my period. I know every single thing about my body. I feel it. Like I'm so in tune with my body. It's ridiculous. I will say this. Some of the things that they don't tell us that you sign the forms is with IVF, every round that you go through, you increase your chances of certain types of cancer. So those are things that we don't know what happens to our body long-term. It's a lot, but you know what? As women, we will do whatever it takes to start a family. Since you're getting ready to have a baby, I wanted you to think about things from your childhood that you would like to pass on to this baby. I think for me, family is so important. And I think that's something that traditionally I want to carry on with our daughter. We always sat down at the table for family dinners and we still do that. My husband, cause he didn't do that with his family, but now he does that with my family. He thinks it's funny. He's like, I cannot believe how you guys are always like to get, and we're just so family oriented and we love to sit around and we love to be in the kitchen together and do activities together. So those are the things that I hope 
and I know that I really want to pass down with to my daughter. And another thing that I want to pass down to her is just I want her to see that just the work that I've been doing with other women. And I know, like, I don't know what it's going to be like, you know, your daughter, you know, being in school, what we were in school is completely different, right? They have social media now, they have certain things, and there's only so much that we can control from them. I just hope that she is a well-rounded individual and I will do whatever that I can to hopefully play that role model for her and show her just like you did with your daughter. You brought your daughter to that broad shoulders event and it was amazing. And you're like, I remember I was like, that's how I met you. You said that you want her to see this. You want her to be around strong women. You want her to be around women that are gathering and hearing other women tell their stories and the diversity of it all. So you did a perfect, that was a perfect example of what you did, you know, and that's something that I hope I can do too. I know you're going to be such a good mom and I cannot wait to see this next chapter. One piece of advice that I will say that, and I say this now to even my younger cousins and my younger girlfriends that are in their twenties, If you can, and you're not planning, this is if you want to start a family, but even let's say you're like, I'm not starting a family anytime soon, just go freeze your eggs because your 20 something year old egg is so much better than your 35 or your 40 year old egg. And if you ever use them, great. It's like your savings account. If you don't have to use them, then it's, that's even, if you get pregnant naturally, that's even more, you know, that's even beautiful, but just freeze your eggs. Just do that. I wish that somebody would have told me that when I was in my twenties and I was just so focused on my career. That's interesting. I never even thought to do that. But one thing that I was thinking when you were saying that is get genetic testing. Yes. Get genetic testing because that's really important. And then freeze your eggs. I want you to talk just a couple minutes about smart is the new sexy. Oh my gosh. So we... Wrapped up season three for Smart is the New Sexy. And it was a really interesting season this past season because every season we've evolved. I feel like even just from like the first season that I did to the second to the third. So what we did was we literally went into women that had pivots this year and how they handled, you know, COVID and what was going on. How did they shift their businesses So it was an interesting season of talking to women. And one was the owner of Caval Distillery. Another one was my girlfriend that was a photographer. It was just such a great season this season because of the fact that, you know, IVF doctor, we spoke to the IVF doctor to get, because that was something that I was going through and just to get information on that and hearing it from the expert, because obviously hearing it from an expert so much better than hearing it from, you know, someone like myself, I can only speak upon my experiences and things that I've been through, but you're going to hear it from the expert. So it was a great season this season. And I ended up over the last like couple of months, just kind of putting a pause on things so I can get into mommy mode and get my house together and get the baby's room together, which by the way, I'm still working on that. And the furniture is still not here. COVID has put a damper on everything, which is so wild, but it's okay. Her bassinet's here. So maybe the furniture come, maybe not, who knows? So that's what I've been doing. And I was just talking to my girlfriend today, right before I jumped on this call. She's like, I was like, I have all this inspiration of what I want to do next with just being a mom. 
and what do I want to do? I was like, I need to like actually sit down and download a lot of stuff because I'm in this new phase in my life where there's just so much inspiration and my audience is almost like shifting. It's shifting now with women that are starting families, that are moms, that are going through things. So I don't know what the future holds, but I'm excited for it. I love that. Well, I can't wait to see how it evolves. I think that it is just going to deepen your relationships and make your life so much more fulfilling. And I just, I'm so excited that I get to watch it like from the very beginning. How cool is that? And I am so excited too. And if you have any advice, like I tell women, I'm like, if there's any advice, anything, please let me know. I'm open. I'm a new mom. I don't know anything. I'm like, you know, I've changed diapers and I've, you know, taken care of infants before, but never my own. Like I, you know, it's a whole different ball game. I would just say, don't compare yourself, enjoy the journey, try to give yourself grace. That's what I would say. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You're right. Is there anything that you would like to ask my dad? What piece of advice should I give my husband on being a new dad? I love that. Oh my God. I love it. Thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure reconnecting with you, Arciak. You're just one of my favorites. Oh my God. You too. You too. Thank you so much. You were such a doll. I just have always appreciated all your love and support. You've just been one of those women just right out the gates have just been so like supportive and so loving. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Now let's switch it over to grandpa. RCAC, I really commend you on going through the trials and tribulations of having a continuum and bringing a life to your family. What an intriguing story it is. It really exemplifies how important life is and everything that we have to do, preserve it and keep it and protect it for generations to come. What advice do you have for RCX's husband as a new dad? You know she had the baby now, right? A little girl. Congratulations on being a new dad. Your little girl, you should cherish her and understand that it's a lot of work as you have to demonstrate a lot of patience. But it's all worth it. And that's your legacy. And good luck for a wonderful future. What did you think of the name of her show, Smart as the New Sexy? Very good title. I think that what I found to be also just fascinating is that we want to have a legacy that's healthy, that where we want to bring a healthy child into this world. We want to be able to teach him or her what we've been through, what they can hopefully, again, be able to do a better job for the future, where we want to lay out the foundation of of good things and positive things and the willpower to succeed and overcome whatever barriers that are there and to take the safety precautions that there is make sure that we can have the best longevity that a human being can have. It's quite a journey that she's been through because even having to use an alternative method to give birth, she doesn't give up. And even that isn't a sure thing, that even a surrogate can lose a child, that you could have two or three healthy children. And if you're having another child, there's still no guarantee that that child would be healthy, that you still have to take the precaution of extra ultrasound and extra care of what you're eating and what you're dieting or exercising and the emotional strain, the physical strain that a woman goes through is just an incredible miracle. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, 
Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. 